How's it going, guys? Welcome back to the Dad Tired Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Lopes. Join me every Monday as we dive into what it looks like to be men who fall in love with Jesus and help our families do the same. You can learn more about our books, resources, conferences, and even online community by going to dadtired.com. Let's dive into today's episode. Jeremy, so glad to have you back on the podcast, man. Uh, before we dive in, I just want to say I'm sorry to you and all the listeners. I know I sound terrible. I've got some kind of sickness, so <laughs> bear with me, everyone listening right now. Uh, I sound worse than I feel. Uh, but anyway, man, Jeremy, super excited to have you back. Uh, we've had you on before, but for the listeners who may not be familiar with you, maybe tell us who you are and what you're up to these days. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, so my name is Jeremy Pryor. I live in the Cincinnati, northern Kentucky area, and I run a ministry called Family Teams uh, with my partner uh, Jeff and Alyssa Bethke. And so our two families uh, love to do um, trainings for families that are trying to figure out how do they build their families into a multi-generational team on mission. So just a different way of seeing family uh, than most people have thought about it. So uh, we really enjoy doing that. We do that through podcasts and um, and we do that through books and then a lot of live events and things like that. So that's kind of what we do. I've got five kids. Uh, my oldest, Kelsey, is 20. Jackson's 19. And then I got three girls, Sydney, Elisa, and Kyra. Um, and yeah, we, uh, we keep busy here in this area. Um, and uh, my wife just started a a little small business sewing studio at the top of our street. And so it's kind of multi-generational. Her mom's involved, my daughter's. Um, and so, yeah, that's been a, that's been a big uh, recent challenge we've been, we've been enjoying. That's awesome, man. Uh, yeah, just for the listeners, like I, I've been a big fan of what you guys are doing for a while now. And uh, we've obviously had you on the podcast and you've dropped a lot of wisdom here. But just personally, like as a dad who's trying to help you know, lead my family. Well, everything that you've got going is so helpful in that. So for the listeners, if you're not already engaged with what Jeremy's doing and with what Jeremy and Jeff are doing together, uh, definitely go check out all that stuff today. I want to talk about, um, how to create a family mission statement. This was actually a topic that came up on our closed Facebook group. One of the guys put on there that he wants to do this. He's heard about it, but has never really been able to like figure out how to do it. And then a bunch of guys commented on that and say, hey, I, I'm the same way. I want to have a family mission statement, but I just don't even like know where to begin. So when I heard that, I was like, Jeremy needs to speak to this because you're like the best guy that I know for this kind of stuff. So uh, <laughs> that's the topic that I'd love to dive into today. But before we get like practical, um, I, I want to just like step back for a minute. And I think based on your, your new book that you just put out and all the resources that you have, like, I think we need to just step back for a minute and kind of go back to reorient our thinking and really kind of get a bigger vision of like family and us, our role as dads and like the difference between where we currently are, most of us in the West and like what the original biblical model was for family. So can you just kind of give us a high level overview of like, what is family? What's the point of family? Like, are, where are we missing the mark potentially when thinking through like biblical family? Yeah. Well, yeah, I think one of the, it's, it's kind of a weird thing to think about. Most people never take a big step back and ask it, what is the family? If there's anything that most of us feel like, if there's, you know, something we understand or an expert at, it's like, we know what it is, you know, maybe not how to do it all the time, but, yeah. um, but we know what a family is. Um, but really, it's 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 uh, surprising for most people to learn that a family, what what we think a family is today, kind of the nuclear family that the West has 
um, has really developed um, is fairly recent in terms of its the way we think about it, and uh, and it's it's quite different than the way that families operated and functioned in biblical times. And so it's really challenging for Christians to figure out like um, what is the family, and and really we have a unique way of of approaching answering questions like that because we have divine revelation from the person who designed the family, from mm-hmm. God himself. And so it's really important to start there and not just accept what the culture says or is doing regarding family. Um, there's lots of you know experiments on the family that are happening uh, and have happened over the last especially 100 years that just don't seem to be in line with um, with the way that God designed it. And it's it's not difficult to, I guess, accept the fact that something has gone wrong. Like most people... They're like, okay, something is really off. Um, I mean, there's so many st- statistics that really demonstrate how uh, how hard it is for us to do family today, how dysfunctional we feel, how um, as moms and dads, just, you know, the challenge just, it seems overwhelming. And, and so a lot of people are just bailing out on the whole idea of family. And I think as Christians, we have to ask, okay, is this, you know, like, is this the way God designed it? Was it supposed to be this hard? Um, or did we kind of lose the blueprint along the way. And so what we've been really trying to advocate for is just to look at Scripture in a fresh way and try to understand what was in God's heart as a as the designer of this thing called the family, all the way back to Genesis 1, and begin to construct a view of family. And when you really do that, you see that there are two totally different ways of viewing family. Um, the way that we view it, which uh, you can kind of sum up as, we think family is kind of a springboard to individual success and our homes are kind of recreational centers that we sort of retreat to at the end of the day. Uh, we create these nurturing environments. We often use the analogy or the you know, metaphor of the nest and then the, you know, the chicks grow up, they fly away. We start over every generation. And that's why if you ask more, most people in the West, like name your great grandparents, they wouldn't be able to name them. Um, uh, and that's very unusual biblically, which is full of genealogies and all kinds of allusions to the generations. And so, so that view of family is one view. Uh, in the Bible, they had a much more classical view of family. It was, um, and it's been difficult to try to figure out. Okay, how do we break this down so that maybe people that haven't even experienced this idea of family um, could understand it? And the definition that seems to be the easiest to understand is a multi-generational team on mission. So um, the way that Abraham would have thought about family, the way that all throughout the Old and New Testament, the way they experienced family was as a multi-generational team. So you would have oftentimes, you know, multiple generations living under the same roof. They'd be very aware of their ancestry. Um, They would be thinking about that and building that identity into their children. Um, And then they would be functioning as a team to do basically all of life together. So that could be their work together. Um, definitely their spiritual life was lived in and through the home uh, during during that period, um, much, much more than, than we experience it today. And so these are very different perspectives on family. And I think that they do, uh, like just understanding and breaking this down is, is really helpful to understand why uh, family has really gone so sideways in our culture. It's There's something that, you know, we're just, we appear to be uh, building something that is just not in line with the design blueprint that God had when he originally um, built this thing called the family. So, but it's, man, it's hard work to transition um, 
because you're in a culture that every tool and every message you're going to get about the family is going to be that kind of modern Western idea of it's a collection of individuals. It's a springboard for individual success. And so uh, functioning like a team as a family, that is a new idea that requires kind of bringing on board new tools. And so that's why I'm really excited about things like, you know, talking about family mission, because um, this is a tool that I find for a lot of families is super helpful um, to make the transition. But if you stick with that, uh, that kind of Western idea of family, um, I'll, we'll talk, get into this, but I mean, the family mission can actually make some people feel like, oh, we're violating the individuals of the family by mm. constructing a mission statement, you know, that, that is supposed to resonate with all of us. What if that's not something that, you know, all of my kids are into? And so, so it's really, I think, important to kind of take a step back and, okay, what is, um, the, the way, what you think the family is, is really going to determine whether or not even writing a mission statement makes sense or certainly um, trying to achieve a mission as a family team uh, really is going to make sense. Yeah. You, in your book, you just released a book called Family Revision, which is so good. And uh, you have it on Audible, which I inc- highly encourage all the listeners to go listen to this because you really just unpack that, what you were talking about, like in much more depth. Um, but one of the things you did at the beginning of the book was you had contrasted um, two different fict- fictitious characters that you created, you know, teenage boys, young teenagers, uh, and you had kind of written, written out their bio. And uh, I, I'm probably going to butcher it. Can you give us like a really high <laughs> overview of like these these two characters that you had cre- created to really contrast like what somebody would have been thinking in the classical biblical model of family and like where we are today? Yeah, I, yeah, I find it really hard to to even for a lot of people they need to have like a we have to have a picture painted because again, if you haven't seen this, if you haven't traveled maybe to the Middle East or other cultures where they still have more of a classical view of family, um, this can seem really foreign at first. But yeah, there's kind of two characters. One was a kid named Yitzhak, um, whose parent. So he was kind of a fictitious kid that grew up in the first century in a Jewish family. And, and I ask him a bunch of questions, you know, and I write this out in the book that were basically, it's like, you know, tell me about your biggest hopes, your biggest fears, like, and what you begin to see as he answers those questions is his entire identity is designed around his multi-generational family. And so when he, he, he answers questions like that, he's constantly thinking about the answers through the lens of the family and the struggles the family is going through under like Roman occupation and how they're trying to build their businesses, um, his siblings and what they're doing, his grandfather and what he's taught him, his thoughts about his future children, his future grandchildren. So you see a lot of those answers that sort of uh, demonstrate that that he is living his life through um, kind of this identity um, as being a son in this, you know, this multi-generational family that goes all the way back to Abraham. And then I ask the same questions to Brad Johnson, you know, um, who is a 12-year-old living in Atlanta, Georgia, and, you know, is raised in a strong Christian family. But when he answers the questions, it's all about him. Um, and you can see and sense as you contrast the two stories that that Brad just cannot, he's not getting any identity from his family. Yeah. And you can kind of see why this would really be hard on the family and how um, and, and how this would be hard on his mom and his dad and his future family. And man, when you just, you see both, you kind of dial up the resolution on both pictures, you begin to see, oh, whoa, you know, maybe we, maybe we are losing something. And so, 
yeah, trying to tease that out uh, in different ways in the book. But um, but yeah, I think that's helpful sometimes for people to just see so those helpful. kinds of pictures. It was so helpful, and awesome. it was like it when you did the Brad Johnson, uh, you know, profile biography. Like it, that was like convicting because I'm like, oh, geez, like not only is it that kid, and that's that's like the children we're raising, but it's that's like me. You know, it's like, that's who, that's who we have become just this really even very individual thinking with as dads in our own family. Uh, it's interesting too. I was thinking about as you kind of did those two contrasts in the book, uh, I married into a middle Eastern family. My, my wife, as you know, is a Persian and her mom comes from Iran, which uh, there's all kinds of news about Iran these days. (laughs) That that could be a whole nother uh, podcast topic. Um, but without getting into that, you know, what I've learned and what's been cool in the last 10 years of marriage is to see this like how much family one one of the things that you said in the profile I, I think or somewhere in the book you were talking about how like we had, we just kind of get sent off like the the kids leave the nest and then maybe you kind of check in on your parents you know every now and then or maybe a couple times like once a week or something at most you know and it's just kind of like hey how you doing but then we go back to our normal life and what I've experienced. Uh, getting into this like Middle Eastern culture family is my mother-in-law is such a deep part of our lives. And it took a little bit of getting used to because I didn't, this wasn't the way I was raised where like, you know, parents and grandparents are just kind of in weave in and out all the different facets of life. Like she's just so heavily involved in my life and my wife's life and our kids' lives. And I'm starting to get a glimpse of like, oh, this is how she was raised. Like this is multicultural. This is just normal for her. And it's really become like this beautiful thing. Um, that being said though, even like with that and having a pretty, uh, a better glimpse of that here in the States, um, it's still like you were talking about our whole culture kind of leans toward the opposite direction. And so we need like right. these constant reminders of like, uh, what is the classical biblical model of family? And so that's why I want to dive into this, like the, this family mission statement, something that we can constantly refer back to, um, yeah. so that we can, you know, point our family towards something, but before one one last question before we get into like the actual how of of how to do this i guess one thing i wanted to ask you is like what happens if we don't do this what what happens if we don't have an end goal uh in mind as dads like how do are the days the weeks the months how do they end up playing out for us for our kids for our wife if we're not actually intentionally leading them anywhere yeah well somebody else will lead them and that's what happens in our culture um there's we there's no question that there's a huge incentive for companies and for other, if you don't lead your family on a mission, somebody else will ha- be happy to do that. Mm. And um, that's not okay. Cause that God has made you as the father, the head of that family. He wants you to lead your family and he doesn't want you to abdicate that responsibility to the school system or to the government or to a bunch of corporations who would love to sell you lots of things and tell you how your life is miserable if you don't buy them. And so we just, we're living in it. We're su- we're sitting ducks as families and as, as in our kids because there, there's not strong leadership in the home and the, the home and the family in our culture is so weak. Um, and it's understandable, like most of us, most of you guys listening to this, you weren't raised in families where you were trained to lead and trained uh, that, hey, this is how, as a strong father, you can build uh, a team and really give your kids deep roots and and include them and invite them into a, a wonderful story that you can live through your family. That, like, I don't know hardly anybody in our culture yeah. that has that story, but... Um, but you guys can understand that 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 the um, that the other stories, the other visions, the other leaders are out there, 
and their their incentives are not hope they're not as pure as yours mm. <laughs> like for your children and yeah. for your family they want you to buy stuff um at the best and at the worst of course they they'll and they'll have some other um other visions or missions that they want to go on for their own uh purposes and so it's just and you see that today where people are just feeling rootless and they're looking for a mission they're looking for a team to to join and people will happily give themselves over to just being obsessed with sports teams or obsessed with even their their team at work or um and if they you can't find a team it's almost even worse because then you medicate the 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 sense of of loneliness and isolation and purposelessness um because you know that you're built to be on a team and you can't find one that's really worthy or that is capturing your imagination and your heart and we don't want to we don't want to leave our kids open uh to to those kinds of realities and so yeah there's a lot at stake i think in this conversation man it's so it's such a huge topic i feel like i need to have you on 15 other times or just have everyone go listen to your podcast and read your book and all the <laughs> other stuff but i mean it's such a big topic there's a book i don't know if you've read the book um i think it's called tribe or tribes yes uh-huh, and yeah. and and one of the Great the book. arguments there is that like even uh, how we've been so tribal as a people. It's not a Christian book. It doesn't come from like a biblical perspective. Um, but the the concept that we like, we've always been part of tribes and been part of like community-based stuff. And yeah. and then when we moved away from that and become more individualistic, which we think would be for our joy, what the like the research shows that nobody wants that. Like they want to be part right. of the tribe. Um, so anyway, it's we could talk about all yeah. kinds of deeper stuff. I love there. that story. It's really, really yeah. fascinating. Very. Um, okay, let's dive into practical. Like, say there's a guy listening. He's like, "All right, man, I'm ready. Like, I, I I'm I don't know what to do here, but I, I'm ready to like start changing my perspective. I want to lead my family on mission. I'd love to have some kind of statement written out so that I can we have something that we can push our family to. What's step one? Where do I even begin? Awesome. Yeah. So. We're gonna, I'll start a little bit at a high level, and then I'll get more and more practical in terms of steps. There's a there's there's one kind of high level theological uh, truth you need to know if you're going to craft a family mission statement, and that is that the family comes preloaded with some missions. So mm-hmm. sometimes you know you you think about um, okay, it's a blank slate. Like whatever I want, whatever um, whatever we come up with is our mission. But if you read Genesis one, it's really interesting. God, and this is so helpful to know because um, the family is not just a, it doesn't exist for itself. The family is designed to work together to accomplish a mission. We know that because in Genesis 1, when God created the first family, he spoke a mission over that family. He mm-hmm. said to that family, go be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and rule. And so um, I think about this as, you know, multiply and rule are basically the, um, is the, is the mission that every family is being given by God. And so uh, when you're having kids and raising children, you are on mission. And so you're not doing something that's off mission. You're doing what God has commanded. And so all the work you're doing, <laughs> being exhausted as a dad, um, that is part of your mission. It's important to know that, that that's our common mission. And the fact that it's common shouldn't make it any less important. God, hmm. you know, he designed us for this. And that's why we have desires to start families. And, um, and that's why we have the responsibility to raise children. To rule, um, that's sort of the general you know, one way to think about that is to work, you know, to, to do things that, that will bring order to God's created creation, right? And that's what Adam and Eve began to do immediately. 
but he designed the family to do that. When God wanted to to rule or see his creation ordered, when he wanted workers, he didn't think, I need individuals or companies or nonprofits. He said, I, family. That's That was his solution to mm. his need to bring order to his world. And so uh, whatever occupation you have or time, if the callings you have, th- those are family callings. Those aren't just individual callings for you um, as a father. And so it's important to integrate your your kind of multiplication and your work into that. Um, and the other thing I need to say too about the new the new covenant, what happens through Jesus is that we're given, I would say, a, a slight tweak on that original mission. So um, to multiply in the Hebrew scriptures is to have and raise children. And I, I believe that that still is critical. Obviously, the families are designed to do that, and that's a part of our mission. Um, but in the new covenant, in a world in which uh, rebellion sort of has taken over the world, part of our mission is to uh, multiply disciples. And that's why in Matthew 28, um, we're given a commission to to basically uh, multiply and rule, but it's different. It's like we multiply disciples and help them to become um, observers and obedient to King Jesus, and mm-hmm. that's and that's kind of the ruling component. Um, and uh, we're not we're not here to like rule over people in, in a power sense. Um, and so, uh, so th- I would th- that's the preloaded mission that is given to the family. We, we are we are designed and built to multiply and rule. Um, so that that's kind of the common mission. Mm. Now, I would say that families as well have individual or unique missions that that reflect the unique design of that particular family. And so there are there are people, and and God even in the old covenant, He gave multi generational missions to unique families. To so the family of Aaron, He gave the priesthood, and you see a lot of examples to the family of David. He gave the kingship, um, and there's different examples like this throughout the Hebrew Scriptures where God will pick a family and give them a multi-generational mission. That could be unique, um, uh, but it's also important to kind of figure out, is has God given us some kind of... And, and another way to say this, too, is I think every family is given assignments by the Lord, and these might be more temporary, but when we talk about a family mission, oftentimes we're talking about there's a thread um, of something that really it feels like our family's built to accomplish. Mm. Um, and there's like, it's like, it, it's when God, God had, has constructed your family in a certain way, you, you and your relationship with your wife, there's something unique about, um, not just you as an individual, but when the two of you get together and then every time you have a child, God is adding to your team. And as you're learning more about that child and those children, you begin to see more and more of, of the, the kind of mission that, that God is, is giving you. So, um, so like in our family, you know, we, we kind of have this three part mission that relates to restoring the biblical blueprint of family, um, and to serve, uh, the, the church in Cincinnati and to, um, to bless and, and introduce people to Israel. So those are things that me and my wife are super passionate about together. And we actually, you know, met in Jerusalem and, Mm. you know, each of our kids have really got, they catch on fire for these missions. Like this, this is really what uh, galvanizes us as a family. Mm. And we're, I'm always looking for ways to sort of expand or is there things we need to do to make sure that the different assignments that God has given my children, because I've got now adult kids, um, fits the family mission. Um, so I don't know that this is like a once for all. That's a lot of pressure. I know you guys who might have like little kids and thinking, oh my gosh, do I have to write this perfect statement that's going to work for all time and my great-great-grandchildren are going <laughs> to you know, be impacted by and feel like it really sums up their life? No, you're not going to get that the first time. 
Um, and it, I really think it's a, it's a discovery process, hmm. but that gives you kind of a theological framework. But, um, and, and so I would say the first step practically, um, is that you need to, you need to start with vision. Um, like what, what are you, where are you headed as a family? Like, what do you care about? And so the, the clues, there's several things that I find really helpful that kind of give me clues to, you know, kind of the trajectory or the, the kind of vision is like five or 10 years from now, what, what do we want to see? And so sometimes I ask guys sit down and just take like half an hour and write about what your family's going to look like in 10 years. Like literally put the, the, the date and the ages of each of your children, That's like what good. are they, how old are they going to be in 10 years? And then start writing about like, what do you want to see? Um, what do you, what do you, what do you see? What, how much vision has the Lord given you into the future? Um, and of course this is, this is a fuzzy picture um, no one's going to be able to, uh, perfectly describe the future. But I think, I think that gives you an insight into the present about what the Lord's put on your heart. Um, and so that journaling I find really, really helpful. Is that just like uh, a, you, you would, you suggest guys do that by themselves or is that like a husband and wife thing to do together? Yeah. Anytime you write, I think the best way to do it is, um, to take time and each of you do it by yourself and okay. then come together, read them and then integrate them. That's, okay. I, I would do that three-step process. It's very difficult to write with someone else for most people because yeah. you're doing deep thinking and things are connecting in your head. And so you kind of need to get it all out first. Um, you know, not, not in its perfect form. You want it, this to be collaborative with your wife. But yeah, I would encourage you both, take some time, you know, spend an hour, 30 minutes, write out, um, you know, a page or two, you know, about what, what, what it might our family look like, share those, that those pictures with each other and give yourself permission to dream and, um, just see what's in your heart and let it flow out. And, and so though, those kind of pictures, that vision, um, that's really helpful to getting clues as to what this mission might be. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I guess one thing that based on the, the front end of our conversation, um, what happens like if we get away Say a guy gets away, his wife, he, he and his wife take some time to go on a date or, you know, spend a half day or whatever separate. And they're just kind of write this out individually. What happens when that, like what they're writing down 10 years from now is like, well, I want my kids to like be off at the best college. And like, we just kind of move back to that, like individualistic right. mindset. Like I want to be the CEO of my job and all that kind of stuff. Like what, yes. I guess what are like biblical good goals for us to shoot for as a man that's trying to lead our family towards Jesus? Well, I, th- I would say what that's doing, if, you, if that's the vision you write, that's actually really helpful because you are discovering what's in your heart and that's mm. the vision that you actually want to accomplish. And, and so, you know, that, that's part of what this process is, is discovering where you're leading your family. And maybe mm. that is where you're leading your family. Mm. And, you know, if you were to read that to me, you know, I would, you know, I would ask some, you know, questions like I did at the beginning of the podcast, just, Hey, what, what do you think, you know, how do, what do you think God designed the family for? And, um, why are you imagining the perfect scenario is that at the height of your families, after you've put all this time and energy into training and you, you've learned to work together and your, your kids are becoming really productive. Now it's the best time to blow up the family, you know, mm-hmm. to start over, to send everybody out as individuals, to lead other families or other teams or to be a part, you know, like why wouldn't you at that point, uh, begin to explore possibilities for marshalling, um, this resource and begin to, really do, um, some amazing work for the kingdom. So, um, that, but I understand if that's not in your heart, um, at this point, 
But when you write out that vision and your wife writes out the vision, um, you, you will discover closer uh, a, a closer representation of what that mission is, um, if that makes sense. The, the other thing I would say, one thing that, that was really helpful you know, to me about this, um, I don't know if you've ever read, Jared, um, Donald Miller's got that book. I think it's called A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. Yeah, and he has actually, this, yeah, yeah. Have, have you read that? It, it's, he, 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 wrote in a, he wrote a chapter um, that I felt like was such a ground level part of this, this conversation. It's a chapter called How Jason Saved His Family, where he was having coffee with his buddy, and his buddy was like his... He was freaking out because his daughter, you know, he just found drugs in her room. She's a teenager. You know, he's got this one daughter and she's already, she's kind of losing it. And um, I guess Donald Miller just sort of casually says, it sounds like she's living like a really bad story. Yeah. And so then he goes back home and he pitches to his, his wife and his daughter, this idea of let's like, let's take on a mission together. Like let's, I just found out about this orphanage in Mexico that's about to, you know, close its doors and send all these kids back out on the streets and they just need $20,000 to keep going. And I think we should do this. And his, you know, wife and daughter were like, what? <laughs> like that has nothing to do with what we had planned for this right. month or whatever. And cause he had never led his family before. He's never treated them like a team. He's never, you know, explained. So, but it, what he says is over the course of the next couple of days, they both come back to him and say, wow, I just can't stop thinking about you know, what you said and, and, and dad, I have some really good ideas. Maybe we could do this fundraiser. And, you know, eventually she, you know, in the story breaks up with his boyfriend and gets rid of this drug and just, and as he gets back together with, uh, Donald Miller says, you know, I, I gave my, my family a better story. That's right. And, and so a lot of what we're talking about here isn't necessarily finding, the, um, you know, the answer from Sinai and bringing it down to your family for right. all time. Um, and I do think that sometimes people find those usually after decades of leader, leading a family. But, um, uh, but especially initially, what you're looking for is you're, you're trying to give your family um, a better story. And you're mm-hmm. trying to also define what scoring is. What a lot of people don't realize about teams is what makes sports so much fun is the clarity about scoring. Like we know when you're when you're on the NFL, you're trying to win the Super Bowl. And nobody's got nobody's questioning that. Like everyone knows what the mission is. Everybody's just, you know, super excited about it. And that intense clarity really helps teams sacrifice. Uh, but as soon as it's really ambiguous, then teams oftentimes struggle, right? Like why would I sacrifice what I individually want for this great goal? Like is that a goal I, I really wanted? So part of like articulating a mission is to define for your family, number one, what story our family is going to live into so that we could be a team. And number two, what is scoring? Hmm. Like what, what does it look like for us to actually, you know, make progress against this mission that God's given us? Jeez, man, this is good. Okay. So the guys have individually, uh, husband and wife, they go out, they come up with just, they just dream, just put everything out on paper, whatever's in your heart, just put it down. Then they get together and they try to kind of com- start to combine those two things together. Then what, what's the next step? So yeah, part of what you're looking for in a mission and you're looking for is, is clues for the, the, what, how God has designed you. And so so the vision, kind of that vision exercise is really helpful. So you're mining what you're writing there for uh, clues into into what, what your family's mission is. And so um, part of what we're going to do in this first uh, step is just do three or four exercises to find those clues. Um, so mo- another exercise that really helps find clues 
is what what problem in the world bothers you mm. you know <laughs> like mm. um it, that doesn't seem to bother other people at the same level that's mm. that's one of the most helpful things to discovering kind of the problem that your family's built or that you're built and that you can invite your family into to solve. And That's so there are just problems like for me, I, I, I love fatherhood. I like something, God did something in my heart and I just love talking to dads and I just know that family, I'm just built for, um, because I care about it at some crazy level. Um, I was just reading in Nehemiah, you know, they, when, um, he heard that the walls around Jerusalem were destroyed he like cries and goes into depression for I don't know how many days. And it's like, I don't think everyone else cried and went into depression (laughs) when he found out about the walls, but Nehemiah did. And so that's why he had the energy. He he was discovering his mission. Like he, he was, God was putting this incredible burden on him for those walls. And so he just, he dedicated his life to it and went back to Jerusalem. And, and so I don't know what that is for you, but that's a clue. Like um, other places to look for clues. You can look at your past um, sometimes people have had really traumatic or dramatic experiences in their past that have um, that have really shaped them, and that they have a lot of energy to to see overcome. They have a lot of compassion around. Some, for some people, it's a location, a country, a city that they have a huge heart for, mm. and so they they just they, they their heart burns uh, for that place. Another clue is um, the you might have individually something that you're really passionate about. Your wife might have something individually she's passionate about. Those might not match up, but is there something that the two of you feel like, Ooh, this, we both really care about this. Mm. And what I found with a lot of couples is there, there may be something like that, but because what they individually care about is greater than, than what they care about together, they've poured energy into, you know, her individual uh, passions and, and his individual passions. And they've just kind of left neglected the thing that they both really care about. Mm. And so I often say, Hey, write that down. Like, think about that. Talk about that. Dream about that. Because maybe, you know, as a single man or woman, you know, that other passion, you know, it made sense for that to be kind of the greatest thing that you were focused on. But perhaps the fact that God brought you together, um, and is giving you something that the two, like you're looking for, what are the, what can the two of us do that's greater than either of us can do individually? Um, that's another good clue. So those are four or five little exercises to just kind of journal about those things. So journal about the the vision, like the 10 year journal about what's, what's a problem in the world that just gets you really going. That doesn't seem to impact other people. Um, what do you two do together? Um, is there any locations or any problems or causes or so you're looking for those things in your heart and trying to get those down on paper so that you can have a really deep conversation. Um, and so that's really, that's really the first step is just, you know, looking for the clues. Yeah. And then once you, once you have those, like talk about them and really debrief those, have a, have a deep conversation about those things. Yeah. So uh, one thing that I want to like give some clarity on or have you give some clarity on is this like, what are we, what are we talking about time frame wise? Is this like a two hour process or like a two year process or like what, how, how does this work time wise? Yeah. I would encourage you to, to, to do it, um, in a, in a single, like two or three hour process. Um, and for the purpose of doing it badly first, like, mm. like, like you need to think that way. So the, your goal is, is not to, again, find the ultimate thing from Sinai, but, but get something that will give direction and some kind of articulation to your family's mission. Um, and, and so at the end of this process, you want to have a statement and you also want to hold it somewhat loosely, but then you want to 
get stronger about it over that two or three years. Okay. So that that's the process. So, so if because if you try to find the perfect statement, um, then it'll paralyze most people because you're not going to be able to figure it out right away. Right. Um, and there it really it's a discovery process. Like the mission, you're not inventing the mission. Um, you're discovering what God has put in your heart. And so you'll you'll never be able to articulate that perfectly. You're always going to find better ways to articulate that over time. Um, so you don't want, and you might forget elements, and all of that is quite possible. And God can also introduce new elements um, into your family story. So there's got to be some you know some amount of flexibility to to the process. But again, if you just say, well, it's so flexible, I don't want to articulate it. You know, now your family doesn't know what it's rallying around. You know, your family doesn't have a sense of what it means to score, and it becomes very difficult for your family to make sacrifices for an ambiguous mission that's not articulated. Yeah, so how do you take that? How do you take the, you know, you've, you've done them individually, you've come together as a couple. Like, how do you start to take all the kind of raw thoughts and start to formulate statements out of it? Okay, so once, so, you, so yeah, once you've, you've got your clues, you've had some deep conversations. Now, now, like, I would say separate again for just, like, 15 to 20 minutes hmm. and write a statement. And literally go, like you have to write something and come back and compare notes. Um, and again, your job is to do it badly. It's not to, not to do it perfectly. Um, so write something down that seems to encapsulate the essence, the threads that you're sensing or the main thread that you're sensing is, is what your family is really built to do. Um, and so, so you can, you write that out. This, this is, you know, so our purpose, sometimes I like, you know, mission can feel a little, another word that really helps me is purpose statement. Okay. Like what's the purpose of our family? Sometimes that helps people like, like, so you're writing, um, but that's the essence of a mission is, is like, like why you're answering the question, like why, why, why are we doing what we're doing? Um, yeah. and so, um, and, and trying to figure out how to, how to say what that is. And so, so our purpose is, or we exist to, um, and something that, that helps, and then you share that together. Um, and then together, if you want, you can try to refine it. Like as you listen to your wife, you know, a lot of times you're like, oh, let's start from that one. That feels closer to, and again, you're, you're really, you're mining your heart. And so what, it's really important that you listen to each other um, and don't blow off, you know, each other if there's some, you know, distance initially between what you're articulating. So you're trying to find um you're discovering like how God's really designed us. And, and so, uh, in that next conversation, um, you start from one of the statements and then you, then you try to together, you try to improve it. And again, you could take five minutes to kind of separate and like, um, and make, take a couple cracks. Some people at this point are really good at creative collaboration and other, other people might find it more useful to, to, to take another few minutes and just, you know, take another crack at tweaking, um, and usually, yeah, at the end of two or three hours, if you go through this process, you will have a statement. Yeah. Um, and I would say that the statement you come up with after this two or three hours will will probably be like 80 to 90% accurate mm. um, to what God has called you to what you know now. Um, and that's good enough to get going. And then what we do is every year at our annual summit, so we have like, uh, as our family, we just get away for an, a day or two every year. Um, but I would encourage you to like have some kind of annual time where you review the mission. How are we doing? And is this still a really good articulation? You can then continue to consider if there are small tweaks um, or, you know, larger ones that, that may need to be made to it. But man, I found most people, um, 
it's so clarifying. They get close enough to really be able to, you know, get some cohesive action with their family team um, through just the simple two or three hour process that um, oftentimes, yeah, they're, they're, they're off and running. And, and so they'll, they'll be able to, to get some traction. Couple thoughts on this. Number one is uh, I think husbands for the husbands listening uh, one, dude, I think your wife's just going to love you. If you just try to stumble your way through this, like just, just yeah. try, <laughs> like she's going to be stoked that you're just like taking the time to be intentional about this. So that's my first thought. My, my qu- other question is, uh, at what point do you, like, how do you get kids involved? At what age can they get involved? Like what's their level of engagement as you're crafting this? Yeah. Yeah. It definitely depends on their age. Um, and, you know, p- part of, I think what you have to believe at a really deep level is that, um, when you and your wife got married, um, and God has put this vision and mission into you that he's not just called you or the two of you, but your kids into this. Um, and so when they're young and in, in your house, it's so much better for your kids to be caught up. And I know that this is sort of like anti-Western thinking, right? Where, um, you don't want to influence your kids in any way that would violate their individual freedom because that's our number one idol in our culture is, is individual freedom. But I really think that when your kids are young, um, it's way better for them to be caught up in sacrificing and serving the Lord and furthering the gospel through the mission that their, their parents have articulated and are sharing. Um, and then as they're getting older, what you're looking for is is okay, how is this impacting? How is the way that God's wired my kids, the passions my kids are expressing? You know, and again, this is usually, you really start to see um, them bringing new passions or new ideas in the family, typically, you know, more when they get to become teenagers. Um, and certainly when they, um, when they become adults, you want them to really involve them and, and, and then have those. And that's why I think at that point, these summits are really critical if you want your family team to stay together. Um, because you could switch definitely that somewhere in this process, you can switch from being an amazing family leader to a dictator <laughs> very mm. quickly. Mm. If you're not, you know, paying attention to how God is giving passions to your children, gifts to your children, and you're not factoring those things in. Um, because, you know, the part of what you want to be passionate about as a dad, as you, as you are, as your kids are getting older, is that God is going to expand the kingdom through my children and he's going to expand the mission of our family through my children. Hmm. And so that's, that's not a threat. That's an incredible gift. And so some of your kids are going to be like, like, they just want to serve that original mission and that's kind of how, that, how they feel wired and they'll, they'll continue to feel that way into their adulthood. Other kids are going to be, they're going to, they're going to be super passionate about something new and what you could, you know, as a Western person, Western family would say, Oh, that's good, honey. Go, good luck. We'll see you. Good luck with that. But, but as a family team, you would say, Oh my gosh, if God's gifted, you know, one of my children with a real passion for something that we're not currently doing, then let's do that as a family team. How do we invest in that? And that's part of the purpose of these summits is, as, as the team is diversifying and as the number of, um, you know, sort of outlets or channels for the family team to, to be growing the kingdom, diversify, you want to be putting the weight of the family team, the resources of the family team to work against that expanding mission. And so at that point, I think it's worthwhile to like take a look at it, say, is God expanding this? Um, and, and how do we make sure that our mission statement, as, as it's articulated, represents the family well? Man. 
This was so good. Okay, I'm going to recap for those who are listening and just like need a kind of bullet point list here. So the first thing is, uh, one, it's awesome that you even want to do this as a dad. Like that's all. I'm, I'm proud of those dads that are going to stumble their way through this. Uh, set some time aside, you and your wife separately. You go off. You just pour out everything that's on your heart. You're thinking you actually put the date down 10 years from now. What could we imagine our family looking like 10 years from now? Your wife does that. You do that. You come back together. You start to see where there's some overlaps. Uh, then you may be, uh, separate again if need be. But uh, the goal is that you would spend some time starting to craft some statements. So again, you could separate individually and take all the things that you've come up with together, that vision for 10 years from now family. And now you're starting to create statements. And the statements are really sounding like our mission is to, our, the purpose of our family is, our, our, am I saying, what am I missing there? The, the purpose yeah. of our family, our mission statement, <laughs> or we exist yeah. to, that was the other one, right? We exist to, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you take those uh, and you start to craft some statements together. And then, as you said, like it, you, the goal is that you'd have some statement down and you're about 80 to 90% there. It doesn't need to be perfect. Don't get like overly caught up. And is this the perfect statement? Is this going to be the thing that our great, great, great grandparents have to live by if we mess this up? <laughs> like just, right. just come up with something that you, you feel like you're 80, 90% there. And then... Uh, I'm a big fan of like putting visual reminders all throughout our house so that we constantly like it wasn't just a one time exercise and we forgot about it. Um, And it's tucked away on like a word doc, you know, that will never open, but print it out, maybe put it on your wall and then constantly refer to that throughout the year. And then, uh, as you mentioned, which is so helpful, uh, do these annual summits where you get together as a family and say, how did we do? Where did we score? Where did we miss? What do what needs to be tweaked? If anything, are there some small tweaks, big tweaks? And then, uh, and then just continue to press forward uh, year in and year out. Did I, did I recap that accurately? Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. And if I give just like one testimony. So I, I would say that when we articulated our mission, um, I would say about 20% of my time and our family's time at the time was going towards the, that mission. Most of it was, you know, you know, other kinds of projects working, just trying to, you know, make income, things that weren't really associated very much with the mission, but we articulated it within six months in our family. I like, I looked at my family, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I feel like like 90% of my time is spent on mission. Wow. Um, and I wondered, like I kind of started wondering at that point, man, was the Lord just waiting for me to articulate this mm-hmm. <laughs> more clearly? Um, I don't think that's probably going to happen to everybody. I just, I just, uh, I, I think sometimes we can poo-poo this and say, well, you know, um, we just, there's such a disease of, we don't need to be intentional as dads or as families. And, and I really think that that's the enemy um, constantly really trying to distract us and, and leave our families leaderless. And so I think this is a, uh, you know, this is a good effort. And, and I think you'll find if you articulate your mission, you might take a step back and say, man, it just, we're not able right now in this season to spend a ton of time, you know, focused mostly on this, but this is really where we want to be headed. And this is what we think we're really built to do. I think what's going to happen is over time, your family is going to align from a time perspective, potentially more and more with that mission. Hmm. Dude, this has been so, so good. Um, okay. For those of you who are listening, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, Jeremy has a new book out. It's called Family Revision. It's so good. You can li- I know a lot of you guys listen to books on Audible. Um, so it's on Audible. You can go check that out. Um, we'll put that in the show notes. And then if you go to familyteams.com, there's a bunch of other resources on there, including they've got some live events coming up that are always helpful. They're around the country and, and you can kind of spend a day with your wife talking through much of this kind of stuff. So Jeremy, thank you, man. Uh, I wish we could do a million more episodes. It's always so <laughs> awesome when 
here on the show, but I appreciate you taking the time to uh, help us out today. I love it. My pleasure. Praise God. So excited for what you guys are doing, Dad Tired. And for you guys who are doing this, I can't wait to hear uh, the impact it has on your families. Thanks, man. 